You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, folks, to the latest episode of Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, we will be doing a crossover show with Ellis Tolbert of Locked On Clemson. We're going to ask him some questions. He's going to ask us some questions. Stay tuned for that. That is coming up very soon. At the end of the show, Mike Carmen, who covers Purdue Athletics, is going to talk with me about this Saturday's matchup for basketball facing against Purdue. And now for the remainder of today's show, we are going to be doing a nice crossover episode for the ACC championship game against Clemson. Joining us is the new host of Locked on Clemson, Ellis Tolbert, also the host of 4th and 16 College Football Podcast. Ellis, how's it going? And also, how does it feel to be a part of Locked on and joining the team? First of all, thank you guys for having me. You guys are the goats. Uh, It's great (laughs) to be a part of Locked On. Uh, It's been really, really cool. I felt really welcome, and it's a big network, so we've always got something to talk about. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a fact. Over 200 hosts or something along those lines, which is is pretty crazy crazy to think. And it's awesome being a part of this network so far. We joined about like a month ago was when we first started working with Locked On. So here we are, new hosts, cranking out the crossover episode for the ACC championship game. We're going to start out asking our questions to Ellis, and then we're going to flip sides here. Ellis, I, I want to ask you to start this this conversation off with what makes things different this game with Trevor Lawrence as the starting quarterback. And I think that it feels obvious for college football fans, but there's a little bit deeper impact that Trevor Lawrence has than DJ Uyunglele starting. Oh, yeah, big difference. Um, You look at the numbers, right, DJ throwing for a career record against Notre Dame passing yards, you think, oh, where was Trevor there? It didn't matter. But I think a big difference is that when you have Trevor, you have a little bit more confidence in the run game, especially in the RPO. Uh, they're largely a movement-based RPO offense, so if you can hold that mesh point a little bit longer, which Trevor can do, it could free some of those amazing defensive linemen that you guys have as a group and unit. Uh, that'll be able to hope it, open up a few things for Trevor to see. I just don't think we had the ability uh, to hold those guys. They were able to run free against uh, a guy like DJ Uyunglele, and he was unable to run. Uh, if they can get Trevor running, I think that might help Clemson's offense a little bit better. And Ellis, I kind of want to talk about some of the more differences in the game. You know, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to be the one that everybody wants to talk about and is going to talk about leading up to this big matchup. What are some things, though, from a Clemson perspective that you think are going to be different and that need to be different for a, uh, an obviously a, a much different outcome, hopeful for the Clemson fans? <laughs> well, I think having a better run average than one yard per carry would be really good to start the game. Uh, (laughs) I also think that uh, having a guy like Tyler Davis back and Jamie Skalski in the front seven for the defense can actually help mitigate some of the run game for Notre Dame. They were very balanced in this game, came right out of the gate. 
running the big run with Kyron Williams. Guy is a monster. Uh, I don't think that Clemson's going to be able to completely stop Notre Dame from running the ball. But I think having a guy like that, you couple that with, you know, maybe having Patterson out at center. I don't know what's going to go on with Zeke. Uh, it could be a good thing for those guys to come in and play. That would be the difference to me. I think Clemson's still going to be pretty status quo on the outside with the receivers. And I think that Notre Dame is still going to be very aggressive. So we're going to see some we're going to see some good football this Saturday. So you already mentioned how you need a better rushing day from the offense, but specifically Travis Etienne was pretty much shut down this game, and it's something that is so unexpected, something that Clemson fans are not really used to seeing, but Notre Dame has had a tendency to completely take star running backs out of games so far this year. Do you think Travis Etienne is going to have a better game? Do you think Clemson comes in maybe with a completely different approach to get him some yards? Uh, if they don't run the ball on first down every time, they will. <laughs> I think that... Uh, a guy like Travis Etienne will be having a little bit of a better game this time because of the rapport with Trevor Lawrence. Again, Trevor Lawrence can hold that mesh a little bit longer. He can read the defense. That's going to open up opportunities for Trevor to get uh, the ball to Travis in open lanes. This last time, they knew that DJ wasn't going to hold, wasn't going to take the ball for a run uh, if he was going to play in the RPO. They just, you know, locked in on Trevor on Travis Etienne. This time. I feel like you have to be able to watch all three facets of the RPO game, and I think he might have a little bit better of a rushing game this time. I think if Clemson wants to win the game, they absolutely have to run and get the ball in Travis Etienne's hands. And else, I, I know you already mentioned a little bit about Skowski and Tyler Davis being available for this game and the importance that that brings, because obviously we saw their absence was was you know very apparent the first time around against Notre Dame. Maybe outside of just your box score and the obvious how dynamic these players can be for the defense on the field, how important is just the presence from a leadership perspective and how much they need, mean for that defense, maybe more than just what the box score would indicate? Right. I, I think a guy like Skelsky is the quarterback of the defense. He's the guy that can see the field. He reacts much faster than a guy like Jake Venables would have in the game. Played well, but he was just not ready for that Notre Dame front offensive line. It, it just wasn't. Uh, but I think having those guys instill a confidence. There's a rapport with the com linebacker core, Balin Spector, uh, Mike Jones Jr. Those guys are going to have the whole team back. So they're going to be more confident playing with those guys. They know the assignments uh, are going to be probably spread out a little bit easier this time. You don't really have to rely on a freshman. And, and then also just pure talent. I think those guys obviously are one of the better players in the ACC. You need those guys if you want to beat a team uh, as good as Notre Dame is. So before we flip the script here and let you take over, Ellis, one thing that we really like to do with guests that we have on the show, especially for these football games, we like to grab a score prediction from whoever our guest is. Now, I, I have to warn you, Brad Sinkiff, who was the previous host of, of Locked on Clemson, he predicted Clemson to win the first time, and that didn't go so well. So <laughs> where, do, where do you stand on this game? What do you think is going to be the final score? It's okay to pick Clemson. I'm just giving you a little heads up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've, uh, I'm definitely going to pick Clemson. <laughs> but what I think what I think this game is going to be like, you, you got you to go back to the last time we played. I don't think this game gets out of the 30s. Uh, I think both teams have a lot to play for. Clemson wants to get that sixth ACC title. Notre Dame wants to run through the ACC and say, see you later. We wrecked all of y'all. <laughs> but I also think that, again, this game is going to shape 
the, the, the college football playoffs. The winner is a virtual lock. The loser depends on who it is and how it is probably could get in too. So I, I think Clemson is going to win. I would say somewhere around the 35, 28 range. Uh, that 11 spread is just a little too much to me. I, I've cautioned people by saying, hey, you can be a homer all you want to, but if you think that Clemson is going to blow out Notre Dame, this Notre Dame team uh, getting stronger as the year has progressed, uh, you're a little crazy. You're going to be disappointed, but I'd, I'd think somewhere around 35-28. That's actually very close to what, what Ryan picked, so we're, we're kind of in the same boat here, except obviously in favor of in favor of Notre Dame. But yeah, I know we're same boat here. We don't think that it's going to really get to that, that 40 point margin just because both teams are going to be fully prepared to, for whatever either team is going to try and throw at them offensively. Both have good defenses. I really do agree with you on that, that that around that 30 points for both teams makes a ton of sense. We're going to continue this discussion very, very soon. Before we do though, folks, I want to talk to you about my favorite beer out there. Coors Light. These days, it seems like life forces us to be on all of the time. But every now and then, it's important to stop and reset. That's why you reach for the Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment made to chill. I know with all the different crazy times that I'm working covering various Notre Dame athletics events and also editing and recording shows, I need to take a break at the end of the week. And the way that I like to do that is kicking it, watching some sports on Saturdays, and drinking a Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that watching football is therapeutic for fans and it is uninterrupted me time, an excuse to chill and drink a beer. With minimal college football teams playing this year, Coors Light wants fans to know that there are still plenty of teams and sports out there that will allow them to relax and enjoy a beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I want to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new looks delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I got one for you guys. Um, you know, Answer however you want. What's a matchup that you want to see most this time around? I know a lot of people, again, want to talk about uh, certain matches, matchups. Which is one that you want to see the most? Well, I, I think personally for me, Tyler Davis and Brad Sinkett brought it up. And, you know, I have an NFL draft background, so I know that Tyler is a guy that's already being talked about in draft circles pretty heavily, and he's a very good football player. And obviously the big difference from Notre Dame's perspective going into this game, as you mentioned a little bit, is without Patterson in at center, where you know Z Corral is going to be starting his second game in there. Tommy Kramer hopefully back, you know, strong after after uh, missing a week as well. So the interior of the offensive line for Notre Dame for me is going to be where my eyes are going to be very steadily, you know, going towards how they're dealing with a guy like Tyler Davis and Jordan Williams inside because I don't think that they're going to quite have the the success that they had, especially with a guy like Jared Patterson out. So for me, it's Zeke Corral and the rest of the interior offensive line, how they deal with a guy like Tyler Davis back now that they did not see in the first matchup. For me, I'm really going to be looking at it, and I completely agree with Ryan on, on this one because Zeke Corral, not exactly perfect, which is understandable. The guy's an underclassman. He's also recovering from an injury. But for me, we saw a lot of interesting matchups when it came to the receivers going against some of these 
underrated cornerbacks on this Clemson defense. For me specifically, Andrew Booth Jr., whoever he's lining up against, if it's Javon McKinley, if it's Ben Skaronic, that is going to be a fight till the end of the game. We saw Skaronic make some big plays in that game. Javon McKinley had a number of really huge catches in that game, even Avery Davis, but I'm not sure exactly who's going to be on who this game. They might change that up, but Andrew Booth Jr. for me is going to be a, a key defensive back on Clemson that needs to have a good game against whoever he's trying to lock down uh, a part of this Notre Dame receiving group. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. I I think specifically with Zeke, again, you mentioned that injury. Uh, If he can't go, I'm guessing Josh Lug would be in that spot. Uh, Or or do you guys have another contingency plan to keep Lug over at the right guard spot? No, I I, th- I think that especially with Tommy Kramer healthy, that that Josh Lug has kind of been that six man off the bench all year, like where you could play him at right tackle, in at right guard, in at center. The natural, because um, originally what they were talking about was, hey, maybe we can move Robert Hainsey into center. We can put Josh Lug at right tackle, but with so many moving parts, the most natural fit there and the most nat- natural solution would be hey Josh Lug even though he's a taller guy he's a little bit of an odd fit at center at six foot six plus he has the most game experience he's probably the most natural fit to give us at least a spot start in at center if Zeke can't go oh yeah I completely agree with that I think the matchup I want to see the most in this game is the Clemson linebackers versus the tight ends uh, they got abused in the last game. <laughs> Mayer looked like a monster, even though he had a couple of mistakes. He just turned it around, and Trimble was unstoppable, too, particularly in the blocking game. Uh, of course, in that game, you had Mike Jones Jr. out, so you're going up against a guy in Trent Simpson. He's a five-star, but he's still getting baptized. He's not quite a player that has enough experience right now. So I feel like that matchup would be important because those guys kind of gave – uh, an extra outlet, and, and you mentioned Avery Davis. Those guys gave an outlet to Book when he was on the run. Uh, very, very good players. Uh, do you guys have any concerns coming into the game? Anything that makes you go, ah, uh, just not really excited about that? Well, I, I think the middle of of Clemson's defense getting stronger now with Skalski and Tyler Davis back. What, what my biggest fear is, if Notre Dame is going to win this game on both sides of the football, they have to win in the trenches at the line of scrimmage. That is how they need to win football games. When you're looking at it, and I'm looking at it specifically from a Notre Dame perspective offensively, my biggest fear, and it was my biggest fear of first game as well, if if the running game gets neutralized, Notre Dame is going to be forced to try to win some one-on-one matchups outside and against guys like Andrew Booth and Darian Kendrick, who are both, again, you know, Andrew was only a true sophomore, so he's not, you know, he's on the NFL radar, but he's not yet. Darian Kendrick's already been talked about heavily in draft circles. That matchup with Ben Skoranek and Javon McKinley, even though they have had some nice moments this year, that forced matchup of trying to win one-on-one consistently against those guys, I think does not play into Notre Dame's favor at all. We also talked about this on our Thursday show, how – it's going to be really tricky to try and shut down the run game like they did in the first matchup. We even brought that up earlier in asking you this. Trevor Lawrence has been an extension of the running game for you guys, and we saw what he did last year against Ohio State where he gashed them. He was the big reason why they were doing so well offensively was because he was picking up yards on the ground. They're not afraid to work him into the run game, and I think if you have an extra piece that you have to stop, that can make things complicated for a team that's really good against the run, that is really good at stopping most teams' rushing attack. They haven't really faced a duo like Etienne and Lawrence before. It's been a lot of one-sided 
duos. I mean, Sam Howell's not as mobile as Trevor Lawrence is. So you add that into the mix, much more mobile than DJ Uyunglele. And the fact that they like to use him as a runner, I think really complicates things for this this Giants, or oh, Giants, uh, Notre, Dame, uh, Notre Dame defensive line. Yeah, and if I could add to that, Ellis, real quick, it's it's like the, my biggest fear also is like when you're playing against a freshman quarterback, you're a little more comfortable with maybe potentially playing some man-to-man coverage for a guy that yes. isn't a big, as big of a running threat, right? But like I'm not turning my back to Trevor Lawrence. I think that the, that the whole the whole process for Clark Lee is going to be, hey, we need to play a ton more zone in this game. We cannot get our backs turned to Trevor Lawrence because the difference in that football game could potentially be, hey, he picks up three to four first downs. He starts getting the zone regame working, like the, the extension of the run game, like Joe said. That's my biggest fear is, is we want to make Clemson as one-dimensional as possible. They're going to be able to pass the football on us, but I think for Notre Dame to win, their same mindset is going to be we have to slow this run game down and make them – a passing offense to succeed. We cannot lose first down. Yeah, I'd like to add on to that. I I do think that what you said earlier was 100% correct. You guys like to play a lot of uh, man with combo coverages in the back with pressure. The pressure packages from Clark Lee in this first game was just unbelievable. He had people coming from everywhere else. You talk about a guy like Koromoa. <laughs> we we had to account for this guy literally every play. So now we have you're bringing more people than we have available to block. You take one player away. You're talking about our tight ends. We want to use those and work them into the game. But if we don't have any availability for them to be out there and catching passes because they're bringing too many people, you just can't run the ball, right? So I think right now uh, – that is probably the key matchup right there. Getting getting Notre Dame to play more zone uh, and then figuring out how to attack the zone. And then I, I think Clemson has a little bit of an opportunity to, to do some of the same things in the passing game, but you really got to get that run game started. And while we're at it, you guys already asked me. I said 35-28 Tigers. What do you have? What are your predictions? Uh, and where do you see the playoffs going after this with your prediction? Let me hear you first, Joe. Let's hear it. Well, so the prediction that I gave on our Thursday show, I said 33-30 in favor of Notre Dame. I think this game is going to be very, very close. It's going to come down to a a last-second touchdown, maybe uh, within the last five minutes minimum. It's going to be very, very close. Somebody is going to make a crazy play to put the other team in favor. And in my case here, I believe that it is going to be Notre Dame. Now, based on what happens, we've been talking about this for two weeks now because we had a bye week and we had plenty of time to be perplexed by all the different moving pieces. Florida losing makes the argument a little bit easier. If Notre Dame loses this football game, they still make the college football playoff. It seems that like that they currently have in an indication the committee wants to do whatever they can to get one of the biggest brands in college football in this playoff in a season where things are complicated and heck if if the most watched game of the year was the first Notre Dame Clemson why wouldn't you try to get Notre Dame in with another team and another nail biter and another overtime game that's exactly what you want is for Notre Dame to be in it now if Clemson loses that's where I think things get really really tricky because their only two losses are against the number two team in the country, but I don't know who the heck else you put up above them. I think maybe keeping Clemson at four might be safer than shoving in a Texas A&M that has a, a, not a really complete 
schedule that they've played. Their one big win was against Florida, and, and that Florida win doesn't really carry as much weight. I am by no means sticking Cincinnati in that spot. That would be a, <laughs> that, a joke if they did man. that. <laughs> so I think Clemson well, is going to get a lot of um, consideration for that fourth spot. Yeah, I, I think on our show, I, I think I predicted 34-27 or 34-28 Irish. Uh, you know, I'm just hoping that this is the – the different year, right? We've been waiting for this for a long time as a Notre Dame fan. You know, it, it's it's not been it's just kind of been constant disappointment throughout the majority of my life so far. So I'm hoping for a, for a uh, you know, hey, maybe, maybe this is the year where they finally get back on in the in the national spotlight. Maybe they're they're ready to play with the guys, the Alabamas, the Clemsons of the world. I'm with Joe on the first part there. I think if Notre Dame loses, no matter how they lose, Notre Dame is going to be in the playoffs. I disagree, though, in the fact of I think if Clemson loses, they're still in the playoffs. I think it's just point blank, period. Because what? Because yes, two losses. But when you look at two losses, and in my in my opinion, if it is two losses, it's going to be two very close losses to the number two team in the country that is undefeated in ACC championships, um, ACC champion. Then that will hold more weight those two close losses than Texas A and M sitting at five, who is like the most clear cut, obvious next choice that their one loss is also to a top-two team in the country, but they didn't really compete in that football game, and you knew at no point was Alabama in any you know, any dire strait of losing that football game. So I think that even though they have two losses, I think Clemson still makes the college football playoff if it is a second-close loss to Notre Dame. Completely agree with you guys with that, and I said a little bit of that on my show. Uh, I got some eyebrows raised on that by saying, and I thought that Clemson would get in, and that's not homerism. You, you guys laid it out for me exactly the way I did it. Um, I, I feel like Notre Dame, without a doubt, getting into this conference, uh, to the national championship picture uh, with the playoffs, if they win. If they lose, without a doubt, getting into the playoffs. It does not matter. You have one of the best resumes in the country. Uh, you beat the number one team in the country. That means something. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to hear people talk about, oh, well, they lost to Clemson. It doesn't matter. You're still getting in. And then for Clemson on the other side, if Clemson wins this game, I feel like like everything you said, you, you weigh that up against the teams that are in position right now. I, I, I think there's only a few teams that they truly believe are in position. Uh, that's Texas A&M, obviously. A lot rides on what happens with Texas A&M against Tennessee this weekend. If mm-hmm. Texas A&M gets in over Clemson, it will be because they view that bad loss to Alabama as a better l- loss than Clemson losing to the number two and four team in the country. That's just ridiculous to me. And then you add Cincinnati. I'm completely agreement with that. I, I don't think you can put agree, uh, Cincinnati in there. And Iowa State's really the only other team. It depends on what happens with Oklahoma. And then you can't give them that. They had a two-touchdown loss to Louisiana Lafayette. So I think the game's going to be tight. It's going to come down to field position. You guys have a pretty good punter in Bramblet. It's going to come down to field position, and I agree. It's going to be a last-minute type deal. Someone gets a, a touchdown, and that's going to be the ACC championship game. Coming up, we will hear my interview with Mike Carmen of the Journal and Courier. Before we get to that, though, folks, I would like to talk to you about Built Go. Break through your wall, whether it's mental or physical. Break through it with Go every single day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, put it in your golf bag to power through your back nine, or put it in your pocket just to get through your day. Bilko is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine 
and better results. There's three delicious flavors out there, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And I can tell you, there was a period of time this summer where I was trying to get caffeine any way that I could. I was doing the caffeine pills. I was doing the energy drinks. And I can tell you after a long enough period of time of sticking to that stuff, I felt like crap. But whenever I take Built Go and I use that to help me power through a workout and then hit on all of my work that I have to get through through the day, it is exactly what I need. There's no hangover type feeling. There's no crash that you feel at the end of the day. It is natural energy coming from an actual supplement that is built to help you feel good. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Folks, if you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date, especially to get our reaction and breakdown on Monday's episode after the ACC championship game. Also, betting on the Irish doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets, the best betting podcast out there, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smallest, sorry, the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And now joining Locked On Irish is Mike Carmen with the Journal and Courier covering Purdue Athletics. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on and talk about this Purdue Notre Dame matchup coming up on Saturday at 2.30. Hey, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is a game that has a lot of import, importance for both teams, two Indiana schools that need to continue to ride maybe some early success. Notre Dame, conversely, needing to bounce back from a, a difficult loss against Duke. One thing, though, for Purdue, they beat an Ohio State squad that Notre Dame struggled against, a ranked Ohio State team. What do you think helped Purdue in that game in earning that victory? Uh, they played pretty good defense, and I think you have to remember that Ohio State uh, was was out. Uh, EJ Liddell, he did not play, which I don't believe he played in the Notre Dame game either. Um, but and they also didn't start. Uh, Chris Holman was trying to send a message to two of his upperclassmen, CJ Walker and Kyle Young. They didn't start, but they did play. Um, but Purdue played pretty good defense overall from start to finish, and. Uh, they were able to turn Ohio State over at some key moments and get some transition baskets. But the whole key to the game for Purdue was Travion Williams, the big 6'10 center, uh, 16.9 rebounds, and a career-high eight assists. And if you go back and watch some of the highlights, these were not just basic bounce passes. These were passes out of the post over his head. Um, we all believe he has eyes in the back of his head. And if you'd seen some of these passes last night, um, that, that would confirm that fact. But Ohio State was trying to double him, which is commonplace. And he's such a good passer that he just find, found the open guy and produced four men or guys on the perimeter were diving towards the basket. And Ohio State's defense did not rotate around quick enough to, to stop those. So 
A lot of things went well for Purdue uh, last night. It was a game they needed to have because of their stretch that's coming up in the Big Ten after after Saturday. If I'm being completely honest with you, Mike, I, Travion Williams legitimately scares me for this game, especially because Notre Dame is having a super tough time rebounding the basketball. They were out-rebounded by Duke by 10 rebounds in that game. Juwan Durham, who's supposed to be this de facto big player in the post had one rebound against Duke. So Travion Williams, he talked about a lot of those different things that he does well. He's not just a, a big body down there. He's also a good passer. What do you think Irish fans should be expecting from him in this game? Is he somebody that Notre Dame should consider doubling like Ohio State did? Well, if you know, if you, if you just watch the film from, from Wednesday night, if you double, somebody's going to be open. And do you, are, are you more fearful of Williams passing or are you more fearful of him going one-on-one you know in the second half Ohio State they were they were more selective and when they doubled they didn't do it every time they allowed him to go one-on-one and he has struggled this year to finish around the basket early in the year now he's coming on these last couple games um, so you just have to you have to make a decision and and I think you have to adjust if you feel like one one thing is working for you, then you keep doing it. But once you get burned a couple times by a passes or you're not covering the guy diving to the basket, uh, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And Purdue still has some pretty good three-point shooters that he can find them on the perimeter. And they've also got another big guy, seven foot four freshman Zach Eady. He didn't play well last night. He's been starting the last couple games. Uh, but he's, he's a big body. He's, he's hard to get around. Um, he... He was just kind of in some awkward moments last night that did, that didn't allow him to, uh, to to thrive like he has earlier in the season. But he's another guy that will get in the game, and you have to contend with his size. Yeah, and that's, again, something that Notre Dame has struggled with, handling some of these bigger, better players in the post. And, heck, 7-4 is going to be a difficult task for this these Notre Dame big men trying to handle a guy like that. Who else separate from Williams do you think – Notre Dame fans should possibly be worried about who is the maybe the secondary scoring threat or somebody that just has been a really strong, consistent contributor so far this year. Well, the one guy that comes to mind is Brandon Newman. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's from Valparaiso. Um, he uh, he put up a lot of zeros against Indiana State, or he didn't put up anything because he had zeros. Uh, it was, he was kind of a non-factor in that game. But last night. Uh, he got on the board, seven rebounds, all, all all on the defensive side for Brandon. Hit a couple key shots. Uh, he, he's a guy that, when you take away the Indiana State game, has played really well for for Purdue, and he's been he's been one of two guys that's consistently been in the starting lineup since uh, the opening game. And then you got Eric Hunter Jr., who who missed uh, the first part of the season with a knee injury, uh, but came back against Miami last week. Uh, last night was his third game, and he uh, he just keeps getting better and better. He, he's the he's he's their leader on the perimeter. He's a guy that will get after you defensively, but also his offensive game has developed uh, to a point where he 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 can be a consistent scorer. And his strength, in my opinion, is his mid range game when he can come off some screens and hit that fifteen foot jumper. So they do have some other weapons. Sasha Satanovich is a is a is a great three point shooter. Um, and then they've got some other complimentary role players that if they score, it's kind of a bonus. But they're they're in there to rebound and play defense and you know get some loose balls and, and things like that. Produce a lot deeper this year than they were last year. 
they're, they're playing a lot of young kids as well. Jade Nivey, a kid from South Bend uh, area, played at Mishawaka before going to uh, going to academy. He played his first game since the opener last night. Uh, so they, Purdue's got some other options they can go to if some guys are struggling. This 5-2 and two start for Purdue is a pretty strong start to the season. What do you think has been the, the, the de facto strength? What do you think has been the reason why they've had such early success and what might help them going forward, especially in this game? Well, they have had success, and last night was the first time this year they've beaten a Power 5 program. You know, their other two losses, their two losses both came to ACC teams with Miami uh, and Clemson, and they shouldn't have lost the Miami game because they were up 20 late in the first half. The Clemson game, you know, the Tigers just turned them over. Purdue had 22 turnovers. Um, they're 5-2 and two with some, some warts, to be honest. Uh, they had 16 turnovers last night. They're averaging way too many turnovers. A lot of them are, are unforced. Um, and if you can turn them over, uh, you're going to put Purdue in a, in a bad, bad situation. They've only had one game this year where, they, uh, where they've had fewer than 10 turnovers. And they've got to get that problem straightened out. But despite that, I think they've rebounded well. Uh, they really did a good job on the defensive glass against Ohio State. Uh, Buckeyes ended up with 10 offensive rebounds, but they only got five second chance points out of it. And for the longest period, um, I, they had maybe five offensive rebounds. So a lot of those came came late. Uh, but Purdue has done well rebounding. They, they have played pretty good defense for the most part, uh, but the turnovers are, are kind of masking some of the things that are going on. And once they really get into Big Ten play, uh, those turnovers need to need to clean up. All right, Mike, that's all we had for you today. Where can people find you on social media and also some of your other work? Uh, well, jconline.com uh, and then uh, at Carmen, C-A-R-M-I-N underscore JC on, on Twitter. That's the extent of my social media, basically. Although I do know how to look at Instagram, but beyond <laughs> that, you will not, I hope, ever find me on TikTok. <laughs> I share that same sentiment with you. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll see how things turn out this weekend. All right. Appreciate you having me. That's all we've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned on Monday as we will be recapping the ACC championship game, filling you in on everything that you possibly missed and letting you know everything you need to know from this fantastic matchup between Notre Dame and Clemson. Also, if you haven't done so already, go hit that subscribe button and also follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft and also uh, at Locked on Irish. If you're looking for something else to tune into, I cannot echo this enough. Go listen to Locked on Bets to get yourself some betting analysis and breakdowns before this weekend of college football. We'll talk to you on Monday, folks. Bye.